What the hell are you doing right now, Tristan? <laughs> Man, I'm scraping trees. I got a tournament. Okay. I got fucking <laughs> Sounds like you're running a knife down like a freaking accordion hose. Basically what it is. There's no awakened <laughs> wild woods. They're just full of crannies. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, well, that's gonna be great. Oh, hey, hold on, I'm gonna do some hobby during the yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> well. Established belief system is. I'm pretty sure I went to high school with a girl named Vedanica. Like sacrilege is when you like defile sixty nine dollars and sixty nine cents Canadian. You ever notice that those party at the all points guys? If you make an acronym out of their name, it's like PTAP, which sounds like a weird sort of vaginal screen actually i'm pretty sure the uh the dj and the mc for my bar mitzvah she's my favorite nascar driver leaving with your girl when we last seen each other yeah you fucking with the baddest like we tag team rihanna fly girl on her knees she don't want to come near me and my dick is too big there's a big bang theory got a picture in my iphone what do y'all think why y'all niggas masturbate i'm in that ariel pink if i am just a rapper man you could have Hello, party people, and welcome to Party at the All Points, your place for grooving and moving in the age of Sigmar. I am your undead life of the party, Tomb King Tristan. Joining me in tabletop debauchery is the toast of the best coast, Dayton O'Bray. Still here. Can't get rid of me. Love and life. Damn straight. Day day. And our man in the middle, he's bombastic. He's super fantastic. Dillion, he's worth a million. Budtastic guy. Hi, everybody. Good day. Welcome to the Great Way North. Nice to see you there, bud. And <gasps> what's that? It can't be. That's the frontline gaming music. Joining us all the way from the burnt out husk of a country that is Canada's pants. Convention planner, risk taker, game tester, ITC birther, map maker, enjoyer of couches, the soul patch wearing and soul destroying co-founder and CEO of the almost 10 year old frontline gaming, Reese Robbins. Welcome to the party, Reese. What are you at? That was a really, really strong intro on all counts. I'm impressed. It it only took four times to do it. (laughs) What can I say? That's that's what my wife says a lot. There we go. (laughs) Well, you get there in the end. That's what matters. Damn straight. It's about the journey. (laughs) Yeah. Man. It's more than a feeling. All right, all right, all right. We are very happy to have you, Reese. Um, First things first, shout out to all the party people listening. Please like and subscribe and rate five stars because, oh, Dayton sustains himself like a Canadian Superman off those things and he needs a charging. I check the numbers daily. (laughs) I have no life. I live in the mountains. This is all I got. Sustain me, people. Sustain me. Fuel him. And to be fair, Tristan, uh, Reese did not originally start the itc he took it over from my understanding oh nice no that, that's team zero comp um the oh, team okay. i was not a founding member of the team but uh the itc was was uh, was my my baby it was my my brainchild it was inspired by other parties but um the uh the that 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 one i will take credit for that was my baby okay all right so they, what you're telling me is dayton's wrong and oh. i'm right Great. A bunch of people wanted to start something, couldn't take the shit kicking that is involved in it. And Reese is like, you know what? I can take a punch. <laughs> Let's do oh, this straight. That's one of my only talents in life. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, there was other companies that had done rankings before us. So we didn't, we didn't do that um, in tabletop gaming. But um, 
after they kind of walked away from it because it was too much of a pain in the ass, we then became the beast of burden and, and somehow we're still going. Swooped in. I love it. And you guys have your 10-year official anniversary, right? Coming up in a couple of months? October? Yeah, Nove- or, uh, November. Yeah. November. All right. Nice. That's that's incredible. 10 that's years wild. just being a businessman. That's nuts. Yep. Yep. 10 years <laughs> grinding, man. <laughs> I was like, how do I get through it? Oh, there's a lot of Jack Daniels, a lot of stress. <laughs> He never Eldar. sounded like this originally. Ten years ago, <laughs> he had the voice the of a Reds kept me going. Man, my my three year old sounds exactly like you, and I just think it's hilarious. So yeah, it's great. Just got it's the like, it's like a it's like a voice machine. I, I've always sounded I've always been sounded like this, and uh, my mm-hmm. my my little niece unfortunately got the got the gene, oh, so nice. she's like a little a little like cute blonde haired girl, but with my voice. You know, slightly Oof. more effeminate, and I'm just like, poor kid. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me give you some pointers. Uh, it's going to be yeah. the talking topic of every single podcast that you're going to be on. Yeah, and she doesn't <laughs> like it when you talk, but she's really sensitive about it. So it's, um, you know, eventually when you guys become an adult, you don't give a shit anymore, but I feel bad no. for her. Yeah, my, my aunt hit us with the, is that his real voice, like, a week ago? Mm-hmm. And it was one of those moments where it's like, oh, lady, you're going to have to walk away right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but whatever. It's fine. Just get compared to Nicki Minaj a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Reese that ass Robbins. All right. Yeah. I don't know you. Um... <laughs> I feel like, well, after you came on the show shirtless, I feel like we're quite close now. <laughs> Hey, once you see another person's chest, you're just down to ta- down to clown. Fine. Mandibles are useless, anyways. That's true. It's a defect. Uh, bud, man, how's but, your road to Nash going? Um, man, it's we're leaving. What is it? A week from Thursday, so oh not my very fucking long. Jealous, man. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I have a lot of I have some models to paint. Um, I really Uh-oh. wish I would have just dry brushed Kairos's wings instead of doing yep. three layers of highlights on every feather. Yep. But yep. Yeah, that was done. That's what I decided to do, and that's what I'm going to go with because I love feathers. Um, I had Tina on the show on Wednesday. It was very exciting. That was lots of fun. She's hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. She is. She is definitely the funniest. That was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I won't. I won't deny that either. Uh, we're yeah getting very excited i think i've decided on my lists uh for nashcon they're definitely going to involve a change caster and a master other than that that i can't uh, i can't divulge anything more until i send (laughs) the official list to david griffin secret list tech and (laughs) and uh nashcon's fun because it is the two list format right like you pick one um one allegiance and then you have to stick with that and then you can flip anywhere inside of the book yeah, so I could go a whole like mortals list uh, for one of my lists, which would be dumb because I don't want to bring that many <laughs> models, which is why I'm bringing Archeon and Kairos because it makes travel a little easier. Yeah, I know, just bring but, a six yeah. Yeah. potato. It's like, because this will be my asshole, one. But just this will be my one. It's because you're an asshole. That's right. <laughs> I am the most OP tryhard gamer ever, and it was my wife who told me to get Kairos and Archeon. Yeah, because she told you to get that. good or else you're never getting late again. <laughs> no, she just said get good and it'll be more fun getting late. Uh, but this I'm is... I'm impressed that she knew who those models were. 
Archeon and Kairos? Well, Kairos is a 40K. Oh, no, he's not a 40K model. Tina's oh, just really drink. dialed in. Yeah, for yeah, everyone that yeah. doesn't know the podcast, every time we mention 40K or any 40K reference, take a drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now that Which we have to be really on, yeah, I it's going to be a lot of 40K reference. Oh, baby. <laughs> um, but that's it. I got another show Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. Central Daylight Time on Twitch. Uh, the channel's called Budtastic Guy. We'd love to see it. Awesome. You'd love to see it. All right. Well, since we kind of broke down what you've been working on, Reese, have you been working on anything recently? Like, I know I understand that you're kind of laid up with a broken digit there on your toe. Um, what have you been working on? Yeah, I actually was uh, painting a D&D model earlier today. Um, I haven't uh, been able to play any tabletop games much lately. The business has been growing a lot, thankfully. So I've been like super duper busy, but I'm coming back into it with orcs. Um, but hilariously, because of the short the supply shortages, I, it's hard for me to get the models oh, for fuck's sake. I want and I own a game <laughs> store. <laughs> it's probably even harder for you because you own the game store. Where you're like, well, I have it. I I kind of have to sell it. Shit. Yeah, we we always put our customers first. Like it's pretty rare that that we'll grab something because um, the customers are what keep the business alive. So mm-hmm. a lot of the times um, you, you just don't get anything that you want. But yeah. right now it's just really, it's just hard to just get anything. Yeah, Unless it's Dominion. F- Dominion, <laughs> you, can, you can get Dominion everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, get, I think we sold all of ours actually. And That's then good. GW did this weird thing. Like we can, you can get like this many now and then you can get this many in like three months, but you pay for them now. And then you can get as many as you want, pay for them. But then we don't know when we'll get them to you. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, we'll pass on that. Like, what? what? Yeah. yeah, I'll keep what the money in my account collecting interest. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd love to give you money so you can collect interest on it. I was like, how oh, about no? We'll not do that. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. But they did that to everyone. Like, it wasn't just like Reese been yeah. front oh, yeah. like gaming. Like, yeah. This is like small front store that has very oh, yeah. little cash on hand. And yeah, they here, did that. Pay us everything <laughs> and we'll give you a product in a couple of months. Like you can't fucking do that. Without even like like at a certain point in time, we will give this to you. I was like, this is the shittest deal I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone so in England had like copious amounts of Dominion. Yeah, we still have a couple left in inventory, but we sold most of them. I think, yeah, we only have two left. Nice. I guess before That's we get awesome. too deep, though, uh, this is episode 37. The reason why we did bring on Reese, who I, I do appreciate as a good friend who I've gotten to know over the last four years, um, is because we're going to be deep diving into tournaments and running tournaments and how to get started and things to consider. And I cannot think of one individual that has done it better or has lived in it and depended upon it to make money than uh, Reese Robbins. Well, thank you. Yeah, certainly probably have the most experience. I I would say there's maybe a couple people in the world that have run more large-scale events than than Frankie and I have. So, yeah, I feel pretty confident in my ability to speak on this topic somewhat intelligently. Yeah, Yeah, every time I mention Reese, do consider that Frankie's right there, and he's mentioned every long. (laughs) I don't say his name, but he's there right (laughs) beside him. He, He enjoys being the less visible partner and as the years go by i was like you definitely were the smarter one like <laughs> <laughs> it's got to rename shadow, literally yeah but we're 50 50 and um 
the, the business exists because the two of us, he just doesn't necessarily enjoy being out front as much. And um, I think he, I, def, I definitely think it was a smarter play. <laughs> well, you, you almost have to operate like that though. Like it, it works. Like if one guy, it's kind of the front man that's, that's willing to do like, you have different skill sets, right? And that's where, that's where you're going to see success in, in being able to, I don't have those, had those broad group of skills to They're bring pen and teller. Let's yeah, take it back to Vegas. It. They're pen and teller. Yeah. I like that one better. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he's a genius at figuring out how to make everything and do all the logistics. And um, we, we made a deal when, when we first got going that he would deal with all the machines and I would deal with the people. And I definitely got the shit into the stick. On that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Machines are way more fun. And yeah, you will yeah, never I mean, you will never meet a nicer person than Frankie. Yeah. I have yet to meet a nicer person than that, man. So and you'll, so you'll wait, never time, meet time. anybody that, that works harder than he does too. He's the hardest oh, working yeah. person. I've I, like I'm used to putting in twelve hour days and that guy's he's a machine, man. So why didn't we have Frankie on? Because he's not the voice. He's not the people person. <laughs> He'd be sitting in here ripping on me too much. We wouldn't really get an episode of it. It would just be burn Dayton. I say he, he's really he's nice, actually, but he jokes really well. He's actually <laughs> taken a step back from event organization because as the company's grown, we have to specialize. And mm. uh, he was he was really burnt out on it. So uh, we made a deal that I would take over that whole, pretty much in whole, I would take that over. And he still helps with logistics of like getting all the material and people from A to mm-hmm. B because he's really good at that. But um, he's actually taking a step back from events because he actually he wants to go and play in them again. Um, oh, that's oh cool. good. But he's good been playing. Him, yeah, he's been playing a lot. He's actually at a tournament right now. Sick. Which one's he at? He's at a team tournament, which, oh, gosh, I forget the name of it. It's in um, California, and I feel bad. I think it's the Dice Hammer team tournament, if I remember correctly. What game system is that, Reese? Uh, it's 40K. Shit, I gotta crack another beer. Ah, fuck. Is he running G Stiller Cults or what's he going after? And drink. Damn it, Dayton. (laughs) Gotta drink my paint water now because that's all I've left. All right. All right. I'm here to talk to Reese. Reese, what DD mini are you painting? What's the character? So uh, it's a a knight with a flail, but the company is called Mears. I think I'm saying it right. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude. I can't say enough good things. Like some of the, like it's forge world quality sculpts and mm. all the time people are like, where'd you get that? And I'm like, I'm happy to give attention to them because they have such good, talented sculptors. Um, it's like dark fantasy stuff. Mm. And I have, I have a bunch of them just cause I like them. I just get them to paint them. Every single Seraphon player knows Mirror miniatures because they make the best salamander models. <laughs> and yeah, you get three for the price of one of the GWs. So. Really, and they're all they're all resin cast too. And yep. dude, some of the big monsters they have are so dope. And like, they have like Walrus Man holding net, and I'm like, fuck yeah, I want that. <laughs> I don't the know. The only what thing bad about them it. is their website. Their website. Oh, it's it's like a '90s era website. I feel like it should play MIDI music whenever you go. <laughs> what do you enter it in? <laughs> MySpace. Yeah, totally, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, these are top so many, eight monsters. There's so many old jokes can be made on this podcast too. <laughs> Dude, they have so many sick monsters. Like, because I have a I have a whole cabinet full of giant D and D like monsters. Like, I have a uh, the 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 Gargant the Mega Gargant the um, the new one that just came out and. 
I have like all like fire giants and all this like random shit. I just, I just like to have them. Yeah, because uh, wizards is like pumping out miniatures like crazy right now. Yeah, and their they miniatures do have, like... suck though, man. Like Mirus is like <laughs> when you become a miniature snob, like you get the D and D because we sell them the D and D minis. I'm like, God, these are shit. Like they're soft plastic. I can't stand uh, them. They just wiggle around. They just wiggle around. And they're all they're, they're scaled smaller too, so they look like 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 mini. You know, like tiny, tiny little minis. Ah. Is that it's where Joe got his uh, his big vampire dragon? Is that a no? That's that, no. That's creature caster. Oh, okay, creature caster. That's did, the uh, undead dragon. Uh, Those are yeah, some no. of your fellow Canadians. They're awesome. Yeah, BC. People. That's mm-hmm. my province too. Uh, creature caster is fucking amazing. Yeah, they got good stuff too. Big thing. Thanks, uh, Dayton. What have you been working on? I'm uh, working on entertaining my brother and his family. Uh, but before so that, I was who you love dearly. Oh my god, we have two different parodying styles. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. if you see like red marks across the back of my neck, that's from his fucking three year old daughter whipping me with a necklace. <laughs> but anywho, um, no, I've been uh rushing out the Dars game, I've been painting as much as I can. That's going to be a full house for the next few weeks. I signed up for another tournament before Attack X. That's uh, Welcome to Gur in Ogre Den in Calgary. Wait, I, when is that? Uh, September 4th. It's a one-day or three-day, uh, three-game. Up to f- They have 50 tickets they're going to sell. And I think they sold 28 so far. So they're, they're doing well. That's okay. that's that's look into AOS that. AOS numbers are not close to forty no. k numbers. That's only a thirteen oh. hour drive for me. That's pretty Do good. It. Do it, bud. I got you a place to stay for free. Okay, perfect. Do it. Sick. And then uh, LLV is going to be there too. Yeah. What? Oh yeah, of course he lives there. I hate you. Guys. Uh, sorry, uh, Reese. LLV is uh, an Englishman who's moved to Canada who pays attention to all the stats in Age of Sigmar. Oh, cool. He's basically our falcon of AOS. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then you guys probably already knew this, but for anyone listening, if you always like, why aren't AOS tournaments as big? From the data we have, it's about 25% of the size of uh, 40K community. So if you have an event that's hitting 25% of the 40K events or more, then you're doing really, really well. That's like a really reasonable expectation. Yeah, like uh, a good example would be <laughs> LVO. <laughs> Which... The AOS event for LVO is about 10 away from hitting 256 and being full. Which is fantastic. Yeah, but compared so good, to 40K. Which is at 1,200 with 200 on the wait list. So for <laughs> as much as we're extremely passionate about Age of Sigmar, and it's a fantastic game, and I think it's actually in a better place than 40K is right now, uh, it does not bring the people the same way. It just, no. it just doesn't have as big of an audience. You know, like you're talking about a game that's what, almost 40 years old versus a game that's like five or six years old so it's like you can't expect it yeah they did the same player base don't think they got the fantasy throw over like they did because fantasy was older than 40k but the it was dying like yeah that game was in such a bad state like switching to aos even though it was controversial and the the switch over i don't think they handled it well Well, they didn't know what they're doing (laughs) (laughs) well aos is bigger than fantasy ever was yeah. Oh, already it was the right yeah. call without a doubt they yeah. just didn't know what they were doing with it when they uh-uh. did it. no yeah we had to live through bad parenting for a couple of years 
Okay, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, my neck's still red. The cool thing about that was that, that like I've said before, <laughs> like that opened the door to, to GW working with community members because as I'm sure you guys know, like community members put points in AOS, they put a lot of time, energy and effort into it and that poured it over directly to the official game. And yeah. that, opened, that opened the door to GW working with people in the community. But prior to that, it was like the ivory tower. They didn't talk to anybody. Right. So that, 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 that stepping on their dick ended up being really <laughs> beneficial long, long term. Yeah. It's when, a big when dick did they, too. <laughs> when did they start? Jesus. Um, when did they start talking to you? Shortly thereafter. Oh, wild. Okay. Shortly okay. thereafter, I got a phone call and they were like, can you sign an NDA? I said, yeah. And then they're like, do you want to help make the new edition of 40K? And of course I was absolutely thrilled. But that, that saying, would not have happened if the AOS thing hadn't happened first, in my opinion. Yeah. You're like, I already did. Here it is. <laughs> Here's your mission back, enjoy. <laughs> I mean, the conversation went something like, would you like to officially help instead of like unofficially helping? Like, So yeah, it was, yeah. It, I'm actually thankful for it, even though it seemed like such a misstep at the time. But it aligned yeah. in everything that you wanted, to, where you wanted to go. Yeah, it was a stepping stone in the direction you wanted to go. So yeah. it made sense. And then and honestly, Mike Brent, a... who did it more so now he's yeah he's under... he's all in yeah he yeah. he's works for the company now which thank thank good I know like you know anybody in that position there's going to be some controversy around it but like he is I was so happy he took the job like he is definitely the right man for that. Uh, for, as for a union, AOS for AOS and forty for everybody, he's definitely the right person for that job. As a union member in trades, you hate the company so much, but you want to see good people step into those positions because that's how you're going to get change. And that's yep. what Reese is talking about. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Um, <sighs> keeping track, that was about three to four <laughs> drinks for anyone at home. Yeah, anybody is also beer. joining in on the party. <laughs> I cracked mine midway, man. All right, carry it on. I'm gonna go grab a beer. (laughs) That's what I was gonna say. Okay. All right, bud. See you later too. Just Reese and I hanging out. Big friends. Big friends. Should I take my shirt off too? I think so. Tarps (laughs) off. (laughs) Oh goodness. So Reese, um, last time I, I did some digging for just to prep for the episode, and last time I heard you had about four different armies for AOS. Um, what? Uh, have you picked up any recently or since you since since the business has been growing so much and you've had to adapt so much in the last like year and a half two years have you just kind of put that on pause yeah i i honestly haven't been playing a lot of tabletop at all because mm. we almost went out of business during covid and then yeah, fuck. and then we so that was ultra strict so like for us we moved the whole company and all the employees except one to nevada that was really stressful and then immediately we ran the lvo and then immediately mm-hmm. COVID hit and revenue dropped 80%. So we'd already, oh, man. we'd already burned through our war chest to move everybody. So mm-hmm. I was like, I was shitting bricks. I was like, this is horrible. And then the stimulus hit. And then all of a sudden web card sales went higher than they'd ever been. <laughs> so it was like, such, Hey man, like that I, UBI baby, let's do it. <laughs> Cause it was such Let's this roller coaster go. and I was super stressed out. And then I, my long-term girlfriend and I split up. So it was like a shitty year. Oh, really. man. Just like it, was, it was for everybody. 
And then um, I'd been saving money for years and interest rates went to an all-time low. So then I bought a house. So it, last mm-hmm. year was like really, you know, I didn't go anywhere or do anything. It was like an emotionally taxing year. So I didn't play much. But uh, the last army that I did get was free free cities. Oh, cool. Nice. Uh, Which city did you, you go with? You've been rocking that forever, though. Mm-hmm. You were shooting range. You were shooting people from across oh, yeah. the table before they even knew what the hell was going mm-hmm. on. That's that was right. dirty. That, that shit was dirty, dude. <laughs> like, That's for sure. Taking like even though they nerfed the rockets, they're still really good. And like mm-hmm. um, the crossbowmen and handgunners were still brutal. And but now you can mix up and mix in a bunch of stuff. So charge so, me. Oh, I get to shoot at you. Oh, <laughs> dude, I was just like wrecking people. You know, you feel kind of bad. And then you play like a magic heavy list that did the same thing and would shoot you. And you're like, oh, double turn. I shoot you twice. You're like, oh, dope. Reese, you were ahead of your time, man. It's a shooting meta. You were just like fucking a year and a half ahead of it. But fantasy's been like Three that years. forever, forever, man. Yeah. Like shooting and magic has usually been pretty dominant in the game. I don't think it's really anything super new. Wood elves, piles. What else? Yeah, I played wood elves back in fantasy and it was like run and gun. Yep, just fire those arrows, your 36 inch range or whatever they were back then. And then flying with eagles. Yep. Yeah. A lot, the the shop, the a lot of guys in the shop on the eagle. A lot of guys in the shop started playing AOS again though recently, and like they're all painting up their armies. And we got a Gargant player. That like I'm a little out of touch with the meta, but it looks like it's pretty damn good. Like at the uh, LSO, there was a couple players that were doing well. Yeah, it's it's been kind of kind of cool. The, the meta's really popped up, and since three hit has been more varied even though there are some like skew lists that have been doing really well it's like there might be like in a top 10 there might be like 10 different armies and and like i don't know top 15 you probably have like a bunch of zinch but still that's the same for i don't know all of aos history right and then you got there about some people that are running comp rules and tournaments already yeah <laughs> which is fun. Yeah. But uh, that's, how about that's we, always how... been a part of the fantasy community, though. Like they've always been more. It's been more like permissive to house rule stuff. Like that's. I feel like that's always been in fantasy. But how do you feel about like when playtesters are starting to house rule tournaments? That's not a good sign. Felt <laughs> 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 like the canary right. in the mine. We have mentioned no names, by the way. We're just generally talking. I'm talking like, shit on face hammer what but yeah. i'm surprised that well whatever like i mean you know what yeah. as long as people are enjoying themselves that's all that fucking matters right like and that's what a has to make sure when he's deciding things is yeah make sure people are gonna have a good time yeah, yeah well actually guys guys let's do a timeout right now and then we'll <laughs> we'll we'll get back to this because i feel like we'll, we'll work back we'll work very quickly back to this music break nicole music break nicole play something play tragically hip
Dayton, you take it away. What am I doing? You, no, no, just fucking talk. We're doing Welcome back. Round, uh... This is Party of the All Points, episode 37. We are joined today by Reese from Frontline Gaming because he's amazing. And we're pretty sure we'll get lots of people listening just because we're going to say Reese is on it. So he's basically <laughs> our clickbait today. Our topic is tournaments and how not to screw up on them really bad because Part of the how this came about is Tristan and I are uh, we're very new tournament organizers. Like I've run maybe three or four tournaments. I had 16 at one of them. That was pretty terrifying. And Tristan, you're on what your second or third or fifth. Yeah, something like that. And I think I've had a max of 12. So feeling really good, especially compared to the population of my province. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but Tristan, you're running into like a I, I both by the interest and run into like intro tournaments, just trying yeah. to get mm-hmm. people developing in a hot like community. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I actually have one of those coming up on August 28th called the Burning Sands, and I just had to ch- switch venues three times. So that's fun. Oh, Reese wouldn't know anything about having to change venues, I don't think at all. Uh, th- thankfully, you haven't had to do it yet. But you did just well, change LVO. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but not, uh, I'm sorry, maybe I misunderstood. Not forced, not, not forced never been to. forced yeah, to right. change a venue, but like chosen to change. Right. Yeah. You've had to do it due to, oh no, we're too big. Right. Right. He's now shopping in the extra large Trojan aisle. <laughs> wow. while, the rest, while the rest of us are sipping through the, the regular. I like how you like didn't ripped. go Magnum. You had no, to go specifically ripped. to extra large. Yeah, not we're, quite we're, there. I'm playing in the rib section to try to get a little bit more. And he's just like, you know what? Just garbage bags. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting pretty to this. We're getting to the point where the venues are getting really, really, um, really big. But then, you know, the risk also increases. But yeah, exponentially. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm personally sweating the like, oh, $150 rental cost. Oof. I don't know about this. 150 bucks. Is that <laughs> yeah, a commu- for a- Are you like in a community center or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a community center. And it's uh, just like, oh, I don't know. That's too rich for my blood. Gonna have to go with the $80 one. <laughs> yeah, but that's a, that's a great place to start. We always recommend people start at community centers or a really good resource is veterans halls. I don't know if you have those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we got them. They're called legions. Yeah, so I talked to the Legion, and they said they would host for free. They just get to charge because they're going to make profits off of the beer sales, yeah, and food sales. Yeah, if you like, and, you you can't do it in America, but like if you can ever have, if you can ever sell the beer at the venue, which you can do in like the UK, that that is where you will make the event profitable. It's it's crazy because you know like hobbyists tend to drink a lot of beer and. um that's a good bargaining chip when you're trying to find a venue is like Mm. cut us cut us a deal here and we'll commit to x number of dollars at the bar and a lot of the times that you can they blow it out of the fucking water (laughs) yeah no well that's yeah that's only certain hotels charge for water and it's so no i said blow it out of the water sorry i just bet oh whatever you're guaranteeing hobbyists people that are playing in this community drink and they drink a lot yeah, well, a big selling point, too, is like most conferences don't last 12, 14 hours like a tournament does. And you're like, these guys are in here drinking the whole time. So each each attendee is going to be good for like, 
you know, four or five drinks usually. So it's, yeah. you can generate a lot of revenue for the, for the venue yeah. um, that way. I know in Manitoba, uh, in Winnipeg, they, they often use legions for their tournaments. And even one of the forces base, uh, CFB Shiloh, uh, they've started hosting some tournaments there. Like the last 40K event they had there, they had 65 or 70 people. And yeah, a lot of those guys. And that's in the middle of nowhere. Like that's an hour and a half from Brandon, which is a city of 100,000. And then there's just fields. Well, to be fair, yeah. before we jump into this though, we, we have do to take have a, a lot of to do that 40k reference yeah basically mm-hmm. but we should put out reese's resume because we do have a lot of like german listeners oh yeah the german leute feeling guten tag meine damen und herren who may not know who reese actually is and how many turns this man now runs is basing his lifestyle off of yeah all right dayton laid out ballpark reese how many speak for reese how many how many tournaments ballpark should we round to the nearest thousand have i run in total i don't i actually don't know um we currently do eight like what you would call like major plus events um where there's hundreds to thousands of people and we've been doing it for 10 years and over the years as a company we've run anywhere from I think one year we only did one and we've done from one to, to eight and our goal is to be up to 10 by the end of 2022. So it's, you know, we, we run it as a business. It's a professionally run enterprise. And, um, but we started out running events just at local game stores and stuff like that. And we took our first plunge into the business doing it, you know, where there was significant financial risk with the BAO number one, which was back in 2011. And uh, it went really well, uh, made us whopping $14 profit on it yeah. for, you know, only like hundreds of hours of work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we actually were profitable in the first year. We lost money the second year, but we, we knew we were going to. And then mm. the third year we broke even again. And from there on out, they became, they were profitable. This is the um, Bay, Bay area open. Like you were, it was part of a festival and you guys had like the back area or something. No, the BAO was just us. And that now it is a part of a, of a overall gaming convention called Kublicon. Kublicon has thousands of people. It's like, um, it's like a Gen Con, like a, a small, yeah. a smaller Gen Con. And we have a part of that. That's where we run the BAO now. Hey, Tristan, where is Gen Con hosted? I don't know. Middle of nowhere? <laughs> In Indianapolis, right? Indianapolis, yeah. Tristan. Yeah, that, that's Indiana, insult- right? Yeah, that's where you insulted. On your first foray into Party at the All Points, you yeah. dissed the like, shit out of them. Like five minutes in. <laughs> wanna, Tristan. You want to hear a f- some fun facts about Gen Con? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm sh- yes. Yeah, We're here for this. <laughs> so it, it's well, called Gen Con fact. because it was started at Lake, Lake Geneva in Indiana. And it's like, it's going on 40. It's like over 30 years old. But now it draws, it brings so much revenue into Indianapolis that it brings in more money than when they host the Super Bowl by a significant amount. And the convention is so valuable to the city that they actually have influenced politics. Like they tried to pass some ordinances. I won't go into the details because it's very politically charged, but they actually just told the city, if you don't change this, if you don't stop this, we're out of here. And so the city did. So it's like, wow. 
for any aspiring TOs out there. <laughs> <laughs> Just think. <laughs> you get to Gen Con levels, you can influence politics. That's right. Yeah, I got to do that of, so I can sing. It's more of dictating policy at that point. Um, it's just, I thought it was kind of cool. It was some people who have different feelings on it, obviously, but like, you know, you, if you follow your passion far enough and you put enough into it, you can really start gaining some leverage in a, in a good way. Um, you can do some really good things or bad, I guess, depending on your perspective, but um, <laughs> it's just kind of cool. Like you can turn something you did just as a, something for fun into, into a tool that can really, you know, be used to, to uh, off to affect real change. Oh, yeah. nerds for life, man. That's right. <laughs> there we go. Can you so, imagine Reese going through high school and not having to ignore your nerdiness? <laughs> well, I feel like that's already happened. Like you got, we're all about the same age and we were, I think the last generation where it was really stigmatized. And uh, now it's like, it's so mainstream in another generation. It's going to be like, no, no one will even think twice about it. Dude, we used to hide in the library and play D and D. Like they used to mm-hmm. give us a little room in the corner, and we had to like sneak away from people and say um, we were doing something else. Yeah, I, I I was the captain of the Pokemon fan club in junior high, and we had to hide in a little room. And like one day we got raided, and it was bad. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that to think that you'd be stigmatized just for doing something silly that's fun. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. like you play basketball, like throwing a ball into a hoop. Yeah, making like, yeah, that's silly too, right? Like it's not. <laughs> it was started by a guy with a big stupid mustache to keep those Christians in line, and that's the thing that's cooler than my pocket monster game where we're destroying each other. All right, sick. Yeah, you go, th- you go throw your thing at the other thing, there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's like like objectively, the one is no more silly and pointless than the other. No, not just to, just to get us back on track. Sorry to be the Debbie Downer here. <laughs> But would, so if you go back to that first year, would you say uh, that was kind of like the groundwork? So once you got that groundwork set, then like year two, like you said, you had a loss in year two. But once you got through those first two years, you kind of had a lot of those expenses that went into like getting this kind of stuff and getting the ball rolling. And that's that's where it was. You started seeing that in year three and year four. Yeah. Once you get the systems and processes in place. And you have a crew that kind of knows the the rhythm of it. It gets like infinitely easier to do it. And then the even though the financial risk goes up, the relative risk to your skill goes down. And you know, as as we have shown, I think uh, people, you could turn it into a career if you so chose. Um, and in other games, there's examples like in Magic, um, in X Wing. Um, and some of these other games that even know that there's a relatively small amount of people that play them, if you do it and you do it well and you you focus yourself on it, you you could turn it into a into a relatively decent livelihood um, if if you really focus on running it like like a business, or if you want to do it just for another like emotionally driven reason, like you just want to get back to the community or you have like a you want to give to a charity or, or just, just add to something to make you feel good. Um, you could totally do it at that level and it's very fulfilling um, to do it. You just have to find a reason. You have to find a reason to do it beyond just running a tournament so that you mm-hmm. can overcome those years when it, it doesn't go right. 
and um, like you take a financial loss or something like that, you need a reason to keep going. Uh, so whenever I help people, like, I, you know, I do a quote unquote coaching thing for people that want to run events. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I just give people advice, right? Like they, they pay a very small sum of money and then I, I give them some, some advice. I always tell people find a reason to do it just beyond the, the um, excitement that you get at the prospect of doing it. Cause inevitably there'll come a point when it sucks and you'll need something to keep pushing you through. Otherwise you'll stop doing it. So yeah. And what would you say, what would you say those, like those things would be, would like in my mind, first thing jumps out would be charity, but it's like something beyond like deciding to use nerds to do good things for your community. Like what else do you think of when you, when you say that? And yeah, Reese, we're not going to hurt you financially. Uh, our listener base will not <laughs> dig into your profits <laughs> for the coaching services on running a tournament. Oh yeah, no. The only reason I charge for it at all is just so that people don't waste my time. Right? Yeah. Like, if you have to give something to get something, you'll take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't want just random people calling me because they got an hour to burn. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> how about two hours, Reese? At two in the morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, come on. Um, so I'm a businessman. So we did it to run a profitable venture. Like obviously first and foremost, we did it cause we have a passion for it. And like I tell people all the time, especially people that are being critical of the way we do things. And I say it non ironically, I'm like, put your money where your mouth is like, go do it. Like we started because there was no competitive tournaments in Northern California at that time. And we were like, we like going to these other events but we would like to do a competitive tournament and we're going to take the risk and do the work. And it turned out from year one, it was a smash hit. So there was obviously a demand in the marketplace. People wanted it, what we were, what we were offering. And that opened our eyes to the idea that this, you could, you could turn this into a profitable business and you're not going to get rich. Right. I mean, it's I guess you could, it's conceivable, but for me, I was already an entrepreneur. So I had Mm -hmm. the skill set, and I was, when I looked at it, I was like, oh, I could, instead of trying to do other things with the product, I didn't care about it that much. I was like, I really genuinely care about this. It's like my main social thing. I was like, if I can do that and make enough money to live, I'm, I call that success. I'm happy. So that was the motivator for us to, to do it. And then of course, um, you want to do it to the best of your ability, right? Like I think most people if you do something, you want to do it well. So that was another, uh, like an emotional payoff is to like, can we run the best events possible? And that's been like the, the motivator, like the pride you get from that. But for other people, there's other things that motivate them like charity. Um, you, you could set up uh, a charity that you can help other people and then don't forget, you can also get a really significant tax break. So even though you're, you're helping and you're giving, you're also getting a benefit too. Um, so that there's another thing, there's another incentive for you. Um, for some people, I tell them like, take the money. If there is any profit, even if it's modest, save it and then use that to take your family on a vacation or put it towards your kid's education. Right. And then that's something that will keep you going through the inevitable tough times. Um, hmm. cause it's sad when you see an event that's been going for five years and then the, the organizers burn out. Because the community, it's a loss for the community at that point. It's not just, it's not just mm-hmm. sad for the individual. It's sad for everybody that was looking forward to going. Um, so it's yeah, like, you don't, don't, don't be afraid to have some stake in it yourself. 
because then it will keep you it will keep you going um through the times when shit goes sideways which it will yeah all right awesome great examples man thank you that's uh, that 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 would be why people pay you to talk to them about this yep checks out <laughs> So yeah, we're, just, we're just gonna a lot of the erase. questions are like the nitty gritty of like how to negotiate a contract, you know, all, yeah. that, all that sort of stuff too. Yeah, so like I kind of wrote out the basics of planning your first event, um, just shooting like shooting into the breeze here. For me, it was like figure out the date that you want to do it. Like, is there somewhere, like, is there a gap in your local community that you think you can fill in a specific time? And then it's like, figure out where you're going to do it. Like I've had to switch where I'm going to host mine like two or three times. And it's like, figure out where you're going to do it, figure out a backup plan. And then it's like, what are your goals? You said that you wanted to do competitive events. And like, to me, that's awesome. And something that I really look forward to running, but I know my local community isn't ready for that. Like, I think I've probably played the most AOS three games in my province and I'm at like 10 it's been out for a month. Like, so for me, it's like, I know I have to do a learning event to be able to get people into this. And it's like, there's lots of different ways to run an event, right? Like you guys have done a lot with Frontline um, and your tournaments to throw different aspects of gaming into it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like you said it well, like the first step is doing a ton of research. Like you, you can't do too much mm-hmm. research. Um, no. well, I mean, you don't overanalyze to the point that you're paralyzed, right? Like you eventually you have to take the first step, but you, even if you're just thinking about it, you can take that step of starting to do some research. Like the hardest part is finding a venue. That's the part that is the trickiest and can really burn you if you don't do it correctly. And then like you were saying, pay attention to your local community. Like don't try and force your ideas on them. If they're, if, if they're not, if there's pushback on it, especially if you're in a small area, like what don't fight the tide, just, mm-hmm. just take the first step, get the ball rolling, build a community. And then once you've earned some trust and some goodwill, you can start introducing some new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Hey, why don't we just try X? And if it doesn't work, we'll go back easy peasy. And then if it does cool, now you take the next step. And that that's what we've done is we've done it very incrementally. Um, playing the long game right like maybe yeah. we'll do a little change this year and next year we'll do a little bit more of a change um and always listening to what your your attendees have to say because their their feedback is obviously the most important yeah because i know in the past you guys have done like itc wide voting right for yeah. like what you're going to do in the next year i remember i remember thinking that was a really cool thing that you guys had done in the past yeah relinquishing control was the was the silver bullet to getting community Um, Mm buy-in. It's counterintuitive, but trusting your community to know what they want, uh, not letting the minority loud voice overwhelm everybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, That that I think is the key to getting, to hitting that sweet spot where you're making as many people happy as possible. Is that how TFG got involved? Like they're they're, kind of your official group, right? TFG radio are comprised of the guys that are like the core um, administrators and and organizers for the ITC and the way we run our events. Those guys are the the judges and they're like invaluable. Right. Um, 
So they're they're not officially affiliated with Frontline Gaming through their podcast, but they are officially affiliated with Party at the All Points. Party at the All Points. Yeah, and, Party at the All Points. They are the, like they are like the guys that make the majority of, like the rules calls, and like come up with the processes for how to run a successful um, event, especially on the 40k side. We have another group that does the AOS side. Should have so, just yeah, finished my beer. For like forming like team ups with people like that that are reliable and dedicated is critical because as you scale you just you you can't do it by yourself it's not possible and yeah for the most part like these people if you do actually reach out to them and ask for advice on a very diplomatic and you know specific not demanding process they will give you advice and it's no different than anyone else that's involved in it exclusively yeah they're they're great they're great guys and the we genuinely would not be where we are without them so we we take really good care of them like we're lucky we're lucky enough to be in a position where i don't expect anybody to help out of charity no salty Um, john's not that salty but he's a super nice guy in real life (laughs) (laughs) so he sounds like a super nice on the podcast reese what would you say would be like your top five hurdles if you wanted to run a tournament? So the first, the first thing I always tell people, like before you do jack shit, go do, go watch a video on the basics of accounting. Like I'm not saying, I'm not saying become a CPA. I'm saying go understand the basics of dual entry bookkeeping. Like it's 15 minute lesson. And it's like set up a spreadsheet, money out, money in. Super simple, but it's shocking how many people don't do it. And at the end of the event, they don't know if they made or lost money, right? That means they probably lost money. And then when they finally figure it out, they're like bitter and they stop. Or they're hard feelings because somebody thought they made money and then they kept it all. Or the attendees are like, what'd you do with all the money? And you're like, dude, you have no idea how many expenses I had in making this stupid thing happen. So just to approach it from... The perspective of you're taking it seriously, take mm-hmm. the 15, 20 minutes that it takes to educate yourself on that so that then you can set it up and then you can do it in a, to a point where you're, you're cognizant of whether or not you're underwater or not, right? Like, even if you don't give a shit, if you lose money, right? Because you're operating on a scale where it's, hun- it's hundreds of dollars. And if you lose a hundred bucks, but everybody had fun and you don't care, you still want to be aware of what the heck is going on. Cause then if you are going to take it even semi seriously, then you can plan for the future. Like, Oh, we had a $200 surplus. Uh, we're going to invest that into new terrain or we're going to put it all into price support or whatever, whatever it is. We're going to, you know, we're going to buy everybody a round of beers, like whatever it is, at least then you're working from a point of knowledge is instead of ignorance. Yeah. That's one. Um, two, Obviously, do your research, figure out, you know, am I going to run this event at a venue that I'm going to have to pay for? Or, and this is my advice, start at a local game store where there's minimal risk. And that way it's, you can just, you know, learn the, the ropes without risking any significant amount of money. Uh, figure that out. And then, you know, three, put out the feelers, talk to people, try and recruit people to help, you know, build up a, a community of people that you can work with to share the excitement and the workload and all that sort of stuff. I think those three are basically like 
putting you in a position for success. And then four and five would be like the more mundane stuff, but probably the, probably the things that people are more excited about, like format, how many rounds you're going to have, understand how Swiss pairing works or, you know, some sort of pairing, like how does the mechanics of running the tournament, how does that work? And thankfully now all that information is really easy to find. You could just use BCP or whatever. Um, uh, to tabletop all that. TO is the other yeah. one that's really good too. Cause in the old days, none of that existed, you know, like we had to run it. Most people did it manual pairings or we were using uh, chess perfect uh, chess oh, pairing nice. software. And then, you know, as the tournament software came out, it made it infinitely easier to do it. Um, like, do you want to do a round Robin? Do you want to do double elimination? Like there's all these different ways to run a tournament and understanding those. Cause obviously you can't function if you don't do that. Mm -hmm. So basically just getting the basics down um, and then taking that first step, which is the hardest part of saying, I'm going to do this. And then once you commit yourself, it, it really is pretty straightforward. You know, you do the first thing and then you do the next thing and then you do the next thing. Awesome. I guess I'm so I'm being remiss. The shittiest part and the hardest part <laughs> is figuring out how you're going to come up with a terrain. That is literally the shittiest part of running tournaments. Yeah. Oh, just like making terrain in general. Or yeah, just, asking for volunteers to bring asking, tables yeah. set up. But, How are yeah. you going to get it? Who's paying for it? Again, going to a local game store if they have all the resources, that mm -hmm. makes it really that makes it really easy. Otherwise, you really have to think that through. Like, how much terrain are we going to need? How are we going to get it? How are we going to build it and paint it? And getting yeah. that all organized because you don't want to run an event with shitty terrain. It just no. it's not it, fair if you're charging money for the ticket. You it's not ran fair into this three years ago where you realize that your tournament capacity was reaching such heights that you had to step up and present a good tournament for people. Yeah. We take a lot of pride in the quality of our terrain, especially at the scale that we operate at, but that took a tremendous, tremendous amount of work to. Yeah. You guys had to basically start a business for making terrain, right? Yeah. L yeah literally, guys... literally, literally. Yeah. We did. <laughs> Go buy ITC terrain, basically. That's my Reese's sales brother pitch. or uh, yeah. Frankie's brother. Lots yeah, Frankie's what? brother was a part of the company for a while, and he was doing a lot of it. And yeah. now we we own three industrial lasers, and we're about to invest in another machine that costs as much as a house. That will <laughs> that will help make the whole process easier. Um, but you know, it's step by, step by step, right? Like we're on year yeah. ten. You don't do that in year yeah. one. Yeah. But we got to the point where we were growing so rapidly that we literally had to make an entire set of terrain every working day of the year. Wow. Holy well, I mean, Rob from the LS Wargamers experiences right now trying to run tournaments in his own studio, and he's been painting fucking nonstop. Yep. Yeah. Printing yep. and painting just to get the tables to an adequate level. Yep. And the amount of research that you have to do in and feedback to say this is an acceptable table because that's a yeah. huge standard for anyone that understands the game. Yeah. yeah. And no matter what mm. you do, people will bitch and you'll get super bitter because you worked your balls off <laughs> to, to get there. But like, if you're charging, it is incumbent upon you to provide a good experience. Yeah. And that includes good terrain. And there's just no two ways of, around it. But yeah. to turn that into a positive, the people that do take the time to complain about what they just went to are the ones that you can turn around and make them a loyal customer if you then fix what they're presenting 
as long yeah, they, as they're reasonable requests, right? Yeah. They they usually bitch because they care. You yeah. know, like yeah. they they could work on their communication skills in a lot of cases, but um, <laughs> gen- generally speaking, the feedback is useful even if it's hurtful. Yeah. As like as like a basketball coach, totally. Like usually it was the guys that were the loudest in practice screaming at me, telling me I was an idiot <laughs> and a terrible coach. That would be the ones that by the end of the season would be like all a thousand percent bought in would be screaming at the at their teammates to like do things the correct way like just it's just all about the passion right yeah or as a bar manager the ones (laughs) that actually reached out to you and made the complaint are the ones that actually cared enough about your establishment to then voice their opinion and those are the ones that if you actually reasonably meet out to them you be you get this the interaction the personal interaction and they will then become your promoters if you decide to then go with it further yeah, that's exactly that's exactly it. It's um, people care and they want to be heard, right? right? So it's it's important to let them do that to a point. This, this is my quick <laughs> shout out. Um, when I've run like just the first couple of tournaments that I've run, um, the Winnipeg community, uh, and that's like an hour and a half drive for me. But those guys have been fabulous. Like anytime I'm I'm doing a tournament, I know that there's like six or seven people because I don't I don't have that. Like I haven't built up enough terrain to be able to run a tournament where I can put terrain on 10 tables that I feel like is a table worthy of someone coming to pay for it. And those guys, like it's, it's one, it's one message. And they're like, how many tables do you need? And I, I know I have that backing right now, which as, mm-hmm. as a new, as a new tournament organizer and trying to build a community here in AOS community, like when you can find that kind of support that makes those starting events so much easier. Yeah. There's actually a guy over, well, one province over that's just, that's been running ITC events that um, was talking to one of my good friends, Alan, about how if we're running events, he will come over for them and provide like like 10 tables just himself. Like he's just been running events and he was like, listen, I just want everybody to have a good time. And it's just the kindness of people who are into this hobby can be wild sometimes. Yeah. That's, it's the best, the community is the best and the worst part of, um, of it but generally it's it's positive yeah and um like cultivating those relationships where people can reliably bring x number of tables of terrain especially if they look nice it's a huge savings of of resources in terms of time and money for the organizer and like those those relationships are invaluable and then you get people Mm. showing up early that want to help you set up to make the event even better just because they believe in you yeah which is like the Dayton's of the world. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, It's true. It's, I mean, it's massively appreciated because especially when you start scaling up, it becomes the logistics of it are seriously nuts. Like just getting all the people and material there and back on a time limit is like, it's like I try and tell people like running the LVO is like trying to move house, like trying to move like four or five houses at the same time. And you only have like eight hours to do it. While dealing with like four different people, events that are trying to get information from you as it's going on. Yeah, and as you scale, those problems get more manageable. But you hit those points if it's growing, where you lack the manpower to like kind of adequately keep up with growth, and you don't even understand what you need because it's every year is a new experience because it's it's a new threshold. So it's, you're learning as you go and it's, it can be very stressful, 
Um, but if you don't grow at breakneck, breakneck pace, like we have, if you grow in a more measured approach, you can manage that stress and you can not overtax your manpower resources. So it's, I, I, I de- if, like, if you're not dependent upon it, like, like we have been, and you can afford to take like a measured step each year, that's definitely the better way to do it. So Reese, <laughs> if you were to run a tournament pack, what would you include in that then? That is, that's a lot to, that's a lot to process. Yeah, there's a lot there, right? So like, it depends on the scale that you're operating at. The bigger you are, the more you need, because you have to cover all your bases. If you're operating at more of a local scale, which I think most people will be, there's a lot that can just go implied because everybody knows each other. Mm-hmm. But if you start drawing, if you're like a, not just a regional event, you're drawing from people that are coming from other areas and other metas, other ways of doing things. You have, you have to do a lot more due diligence so that people coming know what to expect and they don't they don't have an experience that is negative because they got the pants pulled down by something. So like in the beginning, you really only need the basics of like, what time do we start? How much does it cost? What missions are you going to play um, or not? And if, you, and if you're not going to do that in advance, let people know like, hey, it's going to be a surprise, whatever. You just have to communicate all that in advance for what people should expect. And then when you hit a, per, a certain point of scale, you need things like a code of conduct. Because um, the more people, the higher percentage chance that someone's going to act like a dick or what, or is it they're just having a bad day or, you know, whatever, who knows, right? Yeah. And yeah. you need a mechanism in place to deal with that that's fair and transparent. Um, you need to have things like a refund policy in place and that needs to be clearly communicated. Um, all that kind of stuff. You need to be able to communicate to the people that are helping the financial stuff, like I can't stress it enough. As soon as you inject money into a friendship, you can have no more friendship. So you, <laughs> yep. need, to be, you need to be really, really clear about the back end stuff with the people that are helping and, and be very clear on expectations of gives and gets. Like if I'm coming to help you with terrain, do I expect a pizza lunch? And uh. we all, we're all on the same page, cool. Someone's helping you run it and then there's a a profit and then they expect to split it 50 50 after the fact and that wasn't clear i've seen people explode over stuff like that so you want to make sure that's handled and then to the players you just want to very clearly communicate what to expect and that that covers a really broad amount of things right like yeah and that's like a lot of those you can scale up and scale down as you go yeah and you'll build yeah. you'll build on it right you'll build on it year by year and the easiest thing to do and this is what we did when we got started is we just went and looked at other people who had already done it and hmm. copied their, their stuff and then modified it for the specifics of what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great tip. I know that's something that I did for the first few terms that I ran. I just basically looked around at a few different packs and just copy, paste, copy, yeah. paste. Change oh, the name, forgot. the date. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's the way anybody gets going with anything, right? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah, no, no one just like creates it all on their own. That's silly, right? Like, and then go ask people for advice and input and help. Like, if there's a TO that you went to their event, you really like the event, I guarantee you, if you reach out to them and you're like, I had an awesome time, can I bend your ear for an hour um, for some advice? People are happy to share that information. It's flattering. And, you know, they probably took pride in what they did and they're happy to share their knowledge. So it's, it's it's pretty easy to get to, to get everything you need if you really want to do it. You just have to commit to doing it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is that five? Like 
do you feel like gamers for the most part they come and they like they're they're fairly forgiving or like what have you found with the with the community as you've developed your events yeah so simultaneously they're hyper harsh and also extraordinarily forgiving it's really weird so because <laughs> like the, the, the thing to remember, sounds like wargaming you know it, it's it, it's bizarre like you'll get a bunch of like criticism if you fuck up in an event and then they all come the next year and they're happy to be there right as long as you listen and you uh, and you correct course and you're and you clearly communicate that they will forgive you because the thing to remember is that the people coming to the event want the event like they really really want the events to happen so in our community especially at the stage of growth we're at the expectation for professionalism is not that high um, and it's it's actually part of what makes what we do so charming is that it's not you're not going to a concert right you're not going to a Tony Robbins conference right where the expectation is that everything is perfect so it's there is room to learn as you go and and don't be afraid to make mistakes because they'll let you know 100% <laughs> guaranteed they'll let yeah. you know and um, as long as you can take that and improve and communicate that you're going to improve nine times out of 10, you'll be forgiven unless you did something egregious. Like if you did something unethical, maybe not. And you probably shouldn't be doing this anyway. But if you just fucked up because you made a mistake, you'll hear about it, but usually people will forgive you. Hmm. It's a great so, community we're a part of. It yes. really is. It's pretty, it's pretty all right. Um, so that was kind of like the sort of basics of going over a pack. I know you guys have done some pretty serious comp over the years, um, every once in a blue moon what what sort of um how do you pick what to change and like how big of a problem does something have to be to necessitate the change so generally speaking i i am not in favor of comp and the reason why is because it adds another layer of complexity onto an already extraordinarily complex activity hmm. and you run the risk of creating an in group that actually makes it very difficult for other people to be to access what you're doing. So if you are going to introduce comp, um, given that warning or that word of caution, you, you, you absolutely cannot let it be you playing a junior game designer and trying to create the game that you like. That is mm. poison. You have to do it in a way that other people the people that, because again, you're not playing in your own event. So what the heck do you care? Right? Yeah. Like your objective should be to have to make the most enjoyable experience possible for the people that are coming. Mm. So you have to put your ego aside and you, you can't let it come down to, to you and your buddies in an echo chamber deciding what the game should be. Because I guarantee the vast majority of other people are probably not going to like that. Right. And it turns yeah. into this insular little like gatekeeping shitty thing. Whereas if you make it like an open source approach of um, let's gather some data and now we, we're lucky enough that we're in a point in the hobby where we have real data, like we have real numbers. And if you're going, this army is winning 80% of the time and everybody's uh, sick of it and it's making people not want to come and play. All right. That's an objective problem. It's not a, it's not a subjective problem. Like I, I just don't like Daughters of Cain, so screw them. Right. Like yeah, that's Dayton. stupid. Yeah, Dayton. So then Jacob. when you're working from a point when you have real data, then you should open up, in my opinion, having done it, 
then you should open it up to your community and give everybody a voice because there's people that invested into that army. Maybe they've been playing it for 20 years. Maybe they just bought it. And if you all of a sudden pull their legs out from underneath them, they're going to, their natural reaction is going to be screw you. Right. That's not fair. But if you do it in a way where you go, we have a hundred players in our community, everybody cast their vote 60 or 70% of them or whatever have decided that we should do a, a, a change. Well, then the, 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 the people that it's affecting, that's going to make them feel a little better, right? It's not them feeling like you specifically are picking on them. It's like, okay, as a group, everybody feels like this is a little bit of a problem. And if you make any changes, they should be the absolute smallest change possible. And if that's not enough, take another step. If that's not mm-hmm. enough, take another step, right? You have to do yeah. it in a very measured, transparent, and fair way. Otherwise, you're going to step on your dick and your community is going to really resent you for it. Because t- <laughs> in a sense, if you're saying like, oh, I'm better than the game designers, that's like such an egoistic way to approach it. And it's almost assuredly wrong. Yeah, my Twitter response to FaceHammer today at 6 o'clock p.m. was <laughs> tough not to see targeted comps as nothing more than players wanting their armor to stay relevant. This has always been broken shit in Age of Sigmar, but we learned to adjust to it. From what I've seen thus far in tournaments, has been somewhat mixed with maybe a too strong Tzich topping. And that's the hardest part about us accepting things is we're in such a new edition to see comp come out sorely. It, it's tough for people to swallow it. Yeah, you, you yeah. need to take the time to, to gather enough data to make an intelligent decision. If you just need your, because like everything always seems too good or too shitty when it first comes out. Like you need a little time to adjust, get some data, and then make an informed decision. Don't just react. Yeah. Iron hands. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like that, that's, that's kind of like one of the <laughs> underlying things that I know you've dealt with before is having an army that had an 80% win rate, just as you said, which was Iron Hands and 40k. Right. And like we've had armies like that in Age of Sigmar. Like what what was what was like the absurd one? It was like Daughters of Cain had something like 77% for Slanesh. two years. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the Slanesh. Heat Knights of Slanesh were nuts when they came out. Yeah. Ooh. Or Zinch, the Zinch in the old day. Uh, back in the ye old days was re- so ridiculous. And then Reese showing <laughs> up with his uh, Seize of Sigmar. My yeah. army was also ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, if I went first and I got the double turn, often the game, oftentimes the game was over at the top of turn two. It was. So, Reese, you've been, you've been giving us some hard, hard facts into a person who's been doing this for 10 years, and we really appreciate you coming on and doing this. But, man, have you been getting into Age of Sigmar at all? Like lately, like we seen um, the new edition. I haven't really been playing tabletop much, um, at all. Uh, I've been doing like a weekly D and D sesh with like ultra casual just for laughs, and um, I'm I'm getting back into it now. But I'm shamed. I I have all the fifth edition books. I have not played. I've had numerous people tell me that it's the best edition. I actually haven't been playing D&D specifically. I've been playing an RPG, but um, D&D 5e is is really fun. And uh, Pathfinder 2, I have the books. I've read them, but I haven't played. And it looks, the the mechanics look awesome. And D&D 5e is a great time to jump in. Um, They they really made combat better. 
so it's super fun, right? Like it, it feels like playing a minis game to an extent. Like definitely, definitely recommend it. It was it was a good palate cleanser too. Now I'm excited to come back um, to 40k AOS and uh, and get back into it. That's great, man. Yeah, because you got Love orcs, man. Like for 40k drink, you are a hardcore orc player. Yeah, it's top three favorite armies of all time for sure. They're just fun, you know. Just it's just a fun army to play. Have you have you played those in AOS? I've played um, Iron Jaws. I have not even read the rules for Cruel Boys um, uh, to the extent uh, that they exist. I don't like the aesthetic at all. It, it's a big turnoff for me. I oh, yeah, go it, into it. I bounce nope. off that hard. Wait, go what into about it. The vulture. What about the vulture? Reese. The vulture is dope. But <laughs> yeah, there we go. I I like the gorilla kind of looking orcs. Like I just it speaks to me like the, the more like Lord of the Rings aesthetic. I don't hate it. It's just like, I would never collect that army, but um, it's the same with Stormcast Eternals. The helmets are so dumb. Like (laughs) I I did a few Stormcasts I painted. I head swapped all of them with like space wolf heads and they look a billion times better. Yeah. Cause Mm. the last age of Sigmar faction I can think of you jumping into was beast of chaos. Yeah. I have a full beast of chaos army painted. Um, I have not played it in the new edition, though. I mean, are, they're not that good right now, are they? Like, no. I, uh, they're they're okay. Uh, they're okay. Don't give me yeah. this. No. Oh, do we want to bring up the stats? You can bring up the stats. <laughs> I just posted Honestly. the stats. <laughs> That's true. I just oh. I got them just because I got like their them. win rate. I like the models. That was the only reason I got them. They are for sure. very cool. And they haven't gotten any new models in such a long time. It's crazy that that. They still look good at this yeah. age. Like right. I have, uh, I use my uh, Syntagore and Gorgon in, in D&D games quite a bit. Or not Syntagore, the uh, Cygore. Cygore? Yeah. yeah. There we go. We understood. We're, we're not going to ask you for terminology, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so in the current meta, Reese, what would you say? No. No. But speaking. 20% win rate. Oh Jesus! The beast of chaos are at twenty percent. That that yeah, that's not on, beast that's of raiders. That's on twenty five percent. That's twenty five percent. And that's twenty three point That's, that's the three point Damn. Okay, in that instant, I'll, we'll we'll rewind. If, <laughs> if you ever house rule to buff an army, no one ever complains if they're that shitty. Like, go crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that's what face hammer's done. They've added points beyond the two k one hundred points factions. though. Yeah. Damn, that's like old school. That's like six ed fantasy, seven yeah. ed fantasy. When uh, they were shitty back then too. Actually, now that I think about it, they used to get like five hundred extra points, <laughs> and they would still lose. But back then, they used victory points as like in every mission, so it was like actually making it easier for them to lose because they had more points to give up. Oh god! Yeah. Oh yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. Um. um so so Reese, um, you. How did you? Okay, but what? What's your question? Sorry. Oh no no no! Go ahead. Yours is more relevant than mine right now. Oh my I can god! Tell our, I can tell. Hey already. guys, guys, don't fight. We're all friends here. You don't like it when mom and dad fight? It's all right. <laughs> it's a Canadian um, fight. It's I like Canadians. Canadian, Canadian no, fights. <laughs> yeah. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. No, you're you're <laughs> after you after you hoser. Jeezy. All right. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, eh? well, uh, don't, don't, so... don't get me into the old Canadian talking. You <laughs> fucking. All right, there, Mike from Canmore. Um, <laughs> so, Reese, 
I know you've been doing this for for a minute now and you've been running a bunch of events, but what's the first event that made you like go, this is awesome and I want to like do this more? Like what's what's the first event that really hit you and made you want to play 40k in a serious way? Right. Do you remember that? Yeah. So the um the first time I got a taste for like org- being an organizer over a player mm-hmm. was way back in the day. I was in this club, the Central Coast Miniatures Gaming Group, which is still active. And um, actually ran a narrative campaign for 40K and had all the players name their their main character. And then each, in between each round, I would write a narrative about what happened. But it was, but it was very tongue in cheek. Like the, the Nurgle players, Lord was like Lord Syphilatron and all this silly shit. And (laughs) Or is Chlamydatron or something, something, you know, something like that. <laughs> that was in my pants, Tron. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was very tongue-in-cheek. And, like, we had so much fun. It was like playing D&D and 40K. Um, and it was so Drink. fun that then I went on to, to organizing other types of gaming. Because I was a hardcore narrative gamer before I was a, a tournament player. And mm. I got a taste for it back. And this was, like, you know, forever ago like decades yeah. ago and uh, 3.5 yeah i actually missed 3.5 that was when i was in college but oh, cool. um that was what got me into organizing and how much of a sense of satisfaction can come from it but then the the bao was when i realized that this was a viable business and that's when it really got exciting right because then it could be like my full-time occupation um yeah, damn Cause that was when I realized like, okay, I can focus instead of thinking about it when I'm at work and then working on it at night, I could do it at work and then I could come home and do something else. So that, that was when it really clicked that, that this could be something more than just something I really enjoy doing. That's awesome. Do you remember what your first tournament was? Like your first uh, event, I should say, if you're a hardcore narrative gamer, like, do you remember the first narrative event you went to? So uh, I'm old enough that there weren't really <laughs> like, back in the easy day, race. Was... You're insulting more than one person. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in ye old days, the only big events were the, the Warhammer grand tournaments and you only read about, about them in uh, white dwarf. And the only one was in like Baltimore. Uh, mm-hmm. And as a teenager, that was not, that was out of reach. Right. So yeah. my first tournament was in second edition, uh, I brought my army that looked exactly like the middle of the Dark Angels book. Back then, it was the Angels yeah. of Death. Yeah. So it was Blood Angels and Dark Angels in the same book. And my buddy and I bought it, split it. He played Blood Angels, I played Dark Angels. And I went to a tournament, had no idea what I was doing. I won my first two games. In the final game, I played against a guy that had Space Wolves. And back then, uh, you could take an army that was all Wolfguard, Terminators, and every guy had a Thunderhammer, Storm Shield, Cyclone, Missile Launcher. And if they fired... <laughs> so if, many drinks right now. If they fired all the missiles at once, it increased the radius of the blast by an inch. So the first thing he does, he shoots a crack missile that's a 12-inch diameter circle. And I was like, what? And it, like, it was my first introduction to power gaming. And I was just, I was like... I was morally outraged. <laughs> I was like, that's this, that's not what this game is about, you son of a bitch. Geneva <laughs> Convention. And um, being a very competitive person, you know, after my initial outrage passed, 
I was like, how do I, how do I beat this? So that was, that was when I got into tournament play mm -hmm. and it quickly became my favorite way to play the game. Um, cause my, my background is I was an athlete and I love that. I love the competitive part, but then going and, you know, seeing all the different armies and playing against armies you've never even seen and the whole, like the, the camaraderie and then the internet kind of came about in regards to the online community, being able mm -hmm. to talk to other people all around the world. That was what really like hooked me into the overall, that, that's what really engaged me in the hobby on a different, in a different way. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent get that seeing as I live on a sandbar off the Atlantic coast, like I would not be anywhere near like interested in Warhammer if it wasn't for like all these online dorks that I know. Agreed. Shouts my online dorks. Uh, agreed. And that's agreed. my only reference to running tournaments is online. Yeah. I've run four so far, but that's just through tabletop TO and online which is oh. no expense out of your pocket and yeah. just making sure you got people involved. That's it. Yeah. Uh, do you know what would make stuff easier? Uh, uh, if it was easier to ship from FLG into Canada, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish. <laughs> yeah, bud, start your own freaking warehouse and hit up. Oh, Reese. yeah. I live in the middle Find of the prairies. We've got space for miles. Yeah, the, the, not, <clears throat> the no international sales thing that GW does is there's so many weird business practices that they have that are like anachronistic and just strange. Like they just that's embraced a... the internet like four years ago. Right. Yeah. And that's something that Nike does also like, and a lot of the like larger shoe companies. I know I have a friend who runs a boutique shoe business and it's like, it's pretty similar to the gaming industry in a very odd way since it's a FOMO based industry that it's all about getting the exclusive items like similar to similar but not quite with um new releases for, for warhammer and they also have a you can't sell stuff in like different countries due to allocations and the like it just i don't know it just seems like a very interesting and anachronistic is a good way to put it because it's like i could be making a lot more money yeah and they would too right so yeah I think with GW, I think the reason they did it is because of the currency discrepancies, but I don't actually know. It's just, it's so strange, man. Like working with them, like they're such an awesome company to work with as a business, as a game store in some ways. And in mm. other ways, it's like, why are you up my rear end about some of this stuff? Like it, ju it just doesn't <laughs> make sense, but they have access to information I don't. So I'm sure it's logical from their perspective, but from the outside looking in, there's a lot of head scratchers. Oh man, I get that. My local store used I like they used to carry GW, drop them like I think in the 2000s and then about just like two like just before the general's handbook dropped, they started carrying AOS again and like that's what got them into having Warhammer. It was AOS actually and they honestly used to tell me whenever I would come in ask if they had anything left over from the bygone days that they would have some again when pigs fly, but now it's one of their favorite like companies to work with. It's wild. Yeah. It, they're, they're, they're a very generous company to work with as a retailer, but some of their rules are just like so strange. Mm. I'm honestly right now reaping the benefit of them being so generous. Like I'm, 
I've clipped a whole bunch of the uh, new Awakened Wildwoods for terrain for my tournament because the local store was like, oh, you're going to run something here. Here's a box. GW gives us money for running or for just like our store. So it's that's their business wild. reps, right? That's the business yeah. reps right now. GW. Yeah. It's the same way as when you're running as uh, our bar manager or something like that. Uh, they would give you like a price. Like here you can play around with this money build up the community kind of thing and i assume the business reps get the exact same kind of quota so what reese is saying we need the border three open so that i can order to a u.s (laughs) mailbox and because i'm 10 minutes from the border drive across the border and get all my flg uh product okay gotcha good yeah we can ship to the border we just can't ship over the border all right yeah that's nice race you never have to build a six by four mat ever again so we actually do have a Canadian distributor for mats and terrain. Um, no, who's that? They, they only sell to stores. So any Canadian store can carry FLG products. Oh, cool. It's I. What's the name of that so I can tell it to my local yeah, guy? So we can bug them. I. What the hell? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, we've been we've been working with them for years. I can't remember. I don't. Uh, it's fine. Personal. We won't. We, we won't tell it's him. Late it's night. okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's got yeah, a broken toe. Really, <laughs> must be all the drugs. I think it's universal. <laughs> Dude, we always say so, there can. We always say it's another order for Canada internally. <laughs> okay. Another order for Canada. Yeah. I believe it's yeah. universal, and I feel like an idiot. Honk, honk the moose. That's uh, that's definitely Frankie's. That's definitely Frankie's wheelhouse. He handles all the wholesale stuff. Excellent. All right, I'll just text Frankie. I'll talk to my local guy. Say, hey, can you get FLG stuff? It's, as long as you get Adrian not to send me a dress to wear, you can talk to Frankie all you want. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's a joke I don't get. It's okay. Yeah, I just it's, laughed anyway. It's universal distribution. There you go. There we go. There go. Look at you. Yeah. All right, Frankie. That up. We very much appreciate you having it on. I knew this was a. Uh, Something I could pull up on when I needed to for one of my episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm, ha- I'm always happy to come on. But uh, do you have any big shoutouts? Um, let me see. If anybody wants to come to the SoCal Open, um, we still have tickets for sale. Uh, both the 40K and Age of Sigmar event are quite large. The 40K events 300 plus at this point. Um, AOS is a major. I can't remember the exact number. We're we're south of 100, but we're getting there. Um, so if anybody wants to come, it's a wonderful event. It's in Del Mar, California, which is like one of the most, for anybody that thinks of California, they think of a place like Del Mar as palm trees. It's on the beach. Um, that's a great event. It's coming up in October and later in August, we will be opening registration for the first annual Los uh, New Orleans open. Oh and shit. That one's going to be amazing. That's awesome, man. Limited space. Yo, thank you. I've been wanting to run an event in New Orleans forever just because selfishly I want a reason to go every year. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I I totally get that. I've always wanted to go there. That's so good. That's the first step of an organizer. Be selfish about where you're going. That literally is how we pick locations for events like half the time. Oh, man, I was <laughs> wondering that. That was, that was on my list of questions. It's like, yeah. how do you pick a new place to go? So you're just we, a big to Atlantic think of places City that fan. Are, we try to think of places that would be fun to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that one has limited space, and it almost assuredly is going to sell out very quickly because it's New Orleans. So. And not only yeah, that, man. but Florida is a huge basis for 
people that play like all people down south. Yeah, that that's like a big part of our uh, demos. Oh yeah, it's all right. that southern part. <laughs> most uh, third most populous state in the United States. That makes sense, and they have a huge gaming community. The South Check actually, out. in general, has a really big gaming community. Yeah, we insult Florida nonstop, yet they still download us more than any other state. I think they expect so it. On them. They expect <laughs> it. But uh, Del Mar, California, for SoCal, is you probably will never have a venue like that, where it's you can't reach out and touch a person when you're playing a game. It's and, the biggest. It's the yeah, biggest hall I've ever that we've ever worked in. It's yeah, like it's, gargantuan. When we fucking Holy. threw the mats out of the back of Frankie's pickup truck, like he yeah, drove his pickup truck between the tables. Yeah, <laughs> we literally drove a full size truck and didn't touch any tables, and we were just throwing the mats out of the back of the truck. And then every time you start getting feeling sweaty, they just open up the bay doors, and you get the ocean breeze that just rushes through. That's right, and the cast of nine hundred two one zero go uh, <laughs> walking across. <laughs> What was it? There was an alcohol slowly. convention or something like nearby? We yeah, doing? they were having a, they, the last time we did it, they had like a taco and tequila. Like <laughs> yeah. it was meant to be for restaurants, but like because their attendance was low, they weren't letting anybody come in. So players were going over between <laughs> rounds and getting free top, top shelf tequila <laughs> and coming back. It was oh great. My God. Oh my God. Yeah, it's great. It's on fairgrounds too. Like right yeah. next to the ocean. Yeah, so they always <laughs> and, have the uh, Halloween fair going. So afterwards, you can go take like a hayride or you know whatever. <laughs> like, and w- uh, wait, wait. That's so my it's trip October to every day. Yeah, it's it's the weekend before Halloween. All right, might have to take my son to California for his birthday. <laughs> well, that's one of your more successful tournaments that you guys have been running. Yeah, it it's the second biggest one. Although the Atlantic City Open will probably pass that up pretty quick. Um, it's so what, like one of the other parameters is that we look for places that have a large urban population driving distance. Yeah. What are we trying um, to say? You don't think Atlantic city is nice? Like what? No, Atlantic city <laughs> is like in smack dab in the middle of the Eastern seaboard. So it's like the most densely populated part of the United States. And it's only a five hour flight from London. So it's, oh, I, that event has the potential to be gigantic. Look at you. Logistics. Yeah. I'm going to shout out NashCon uh, two weeks. I can't wait to see loads and loads of people, especially people that I've gotten to know and have never met in person. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Also, shout out to the Canadian border and U.S. border getting open so that we can have international flights going from more cities. So I don't have to fly to Toronto and then Atlanta and then Las Vegas to get to LVO. Holy shit. <laughs> that's that's insane because you that's what a reverse what i know there's a flight in atlanta yeah or or the other option is calgary and then something else and then las vegas whereas during normal times there was direct flights from winnipeg to las vegas yeah so so winnipeg's being added as an international airport shout out and hopefully shout out getting being able to drive across the u.s border in before september Justin? Yeah. Um, my shout out's going to be to my friend Patrick Callback, who had me over to his house and said that he listened to the podcast and was deeply confused about what Age of Sigmar is and was, but he thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout, shout out to a very committed friend. It was like, have, have you guys ever listened to a podcast before? I don't know. 
um and to uh doug from two plus tough who's been tuning into every episode lately and to my homies at the uh mortal realms and their discord because they're just a good group of dudes just a good group of dads just hanging out doing dad stuff and mom stuff and parent stuff it's great my shout outs to flg and reese and the friendship i've been able to develop with those people for the last four years they run a really good event they really do strive and um, never feel like they're not approachable just because of the status that they've obtained over the 10 years of working hard. Every one of those people are very committed to what they do and love everyone that attends their event. Yep. Just don't be Thanks. a dick. Yeah, don't be a dick. Don't step please on don't. your dick. Yeah. Watch your dick step and talk. <laughs> and don't, don't touch Reese's knees. Come on, man. They'll, they'll like... <laughs> yeah, they're barely they're barely holding together. <laughs> they're, like, they're like a thin forest in a windstorm. Go fund me for just... a scooter for Reese at LVO. <laughs> yeah, man, man. It may have to happen at some point. <laughs> just re- just and his rascal just ripping. <laughs> Episode thirty-seven, party at the all points. Hopefully, this has been very informative. This is actually one of our most informative episodes, and uh, much appreciated for you listening. Like and subscribe, and let's music it out, Nicole. Are you looking at the show notes, Dayton? Uh, where where does sure. it say Dayton talks? God fucking damn it. doesn't say Tristan Because <laughs> you're just there. putting an interest in right now. <laughs> no, I wrote that. <laughs> it says this. <laughs>